Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those who to whom maybe I am an unfamiliar face, my name is Rihanna. Uh, I am a part of the leadership team here at North Lakes and very honored to be able to continue our teaching series based on Louis Giglio's book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at the Table. And now um, the book is incredible. I would highly recommend it. Pam did say to me that it took her about a night to read it. For me, it took a little bit longer. For you, it might take a little bit longer, but I would really recommend it. And I would also recommend um, going back and watching the last couple of weeks of teaching that we've had on it because uh, our teaching team have done an incredible job of bringing light to these words and making really challenging exhortations really easy to take. And so I would really recommend heading to our website or YouTube and going back and reading them. But I'm going to continue the series... um, like I said, we're on the kind of end half now. And so we're kind of looking at actionable ways to take this idea of not giving the enemy a seat at our table or letting him have a voice over our mind or our life and actually taking ways to be able to put things in place to make that a truth for our life. And so the chapter that my teaching is based on is called um, Taking Every Thought Captive. And um, before I kind of start, it kind of makes me Taking every thought captive or taking control of your thought life kind of brings to mind the fact that when I lack self-discipline or self-control using my phone or my devices, quite often, more often than maybe I'd like to admit, I will just give Jack, who is my husband, my phone, and he'll just like take it away, put it in the next room or whatever, because then the temptation to just like pick it up mindlessly or sit and scroll or whatever is completely taken away from me, which is just so helpful because it's often something that I don't actually want to do, but habit can actually overtake me. But unfortunately, in regards to our thought life for myself and for a lot of us, that luxury is not there. The responsibility is no one else's to carry. And so be encouraged that I'm speaking as much to myself as to you when I say that it's time for us as Christians and Christ followers to stand up and to take responsibility over our own thought life. It's not anybody else's job, though other people may have caused certain things or certain situations, maybe the root issue, the responsibility is yours to stand up and do the groundwork to make this a difference. And I believe that the key for that is prayerfully uh, partnering with Jesus to take every thought captive. And of course, this is um, based on a scripture uh, that is in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. So in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5 in the NLT, it says this, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture our religious thought, our rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And so that last bit is the part that says we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. And so what we're speaking about now is the power of our thoughts, what that has over our actions in our life and making a decision to take that partnership with the Lord and um give him sovereignty or regain sovereignty with him over what that looks like. And that might sound like a few really obscure words or a really big concept to try and wrap your head around. And so let me share with you a little kind of like example that God really helped me understand and unpack unpack this idea of taking thoughts captive. So 
a few weeks ago, uh, maybe months ago. It all kind of blends into one when we're in lockdown, but it was definitely somewhere in peak lockdown. Jack and I decided that we would plant a veggie garden. And um, Deej is here. I feel like he'll be really proud of me to say this. But um, I have never done an ounce of gardening in my whole life. Like indoor plants I can do, but anything outside, like at victim of the elements and things like that, I am completely inexperienced in. So we were um, operating from complete scratch. We had this um, garden bed on our back deck that was full of like lily pilly hedges and vines and weeds and it was kind of just overgrown and wild and we were like, okay, this is the perfect place for it. So we stripped it all out. We built a little like brick wall. We topped up the soil, dug little holes with like our little thumbprint And then we like sprinkled the seedlings in each hole. We're really like careful with it. We planted pumpkins and zucchinis and tomatoes and coriander and chili. And we were like made this diagram of where we were planting everything and got like kind of serious about it because like I said, we're in lockdown and what else is there really to do? And um, we were like just kind of like filled with hope when the packet said like between five and seven days your seedlings will start to sprout. And so you can bet your dollar that we were out there on the fifth day, out there on the sixth day, every day after that, morning and afternoon. We were both like tall humans. We were on our hands and knees examining like every piece of dirt that we thought might have got washed by rain or if things were okay or if they knew how to grow upwards. I don't know, but we were just there paying full attention to it. And sure enough, things started to sprout up. And honestly, the excitement, Jack would like yell out and I would come outside and we'd have a look at them. And then some things were growing exactly where we planted them. Some things were growing with seeds on it. Some things were growing in areas that we planted nothing. And we really just kind of were confused about what is and isn't good. We didn't want to rip out our brand new prize pumpkin potentials or anything like that. And so we were really just kind of like, oh no, what are we doing? Because we didn't mark anything where we put them or whatever. And so Faithful Google helped us here. And we read a little article called something like how to tell whether you're growing seedlings or weedlings. And what we did is we got a photo up of everything that we planted and what it should look like at, you know, the couple of days after sprouting. And we were holding the photo to each individual leaf and being like, that's a weed, that's a veggie, that's a weed, that's a herb and things like that. And then once we started doing that for a bit longer, we got more familiar with what weeds were. And as they started growing up a little bit even more into our flourishing coriander bush that we now have, for example, it becomes like more and more clear what is and isn't weeds and we can pull them out with confidence. And so from this kind of little analogy, it God just pulled so much life out of this scripture for me. And so from it, I just want to share with you guys three really easy easy to digest, hard to apply points from this um, from this idea. And the first one is that as Christ followers, we can start from scratch. Um, the Bible is full of these encouraging scriptures. Let me read you a couple of them. Ephesians 4 says that when we believe in Christ, we get a new mind and a new self. 2 Corinthians 5 says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. And in Ezekiel 24, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And the idea of us just clearing out all of this stuff that was there, no matter how long ago it was planted, no matter where it came from, whatever, our minds are exactly the same. God has the ability. And that that first scripture I read 
speaks about the power that God's word has over strongholds in our life. And so my first encouragement to you is that you are not a finished story yet, but you are a new creation made in Christ. And every time that we uh, seek God, he will renew our mind and that renewal of our mind um, calls for uh, transformation. And that is a miracle in itself. Uh, The second point that I want to bring from it is that you have to know what the good stuff actually is. And can you trust me, church, when I say we don't need any more Christians who know about God or know the general idea of what morality in Christ actually looks like. But instead, we need Christians who uh, know the word of God. And when you are in the word of God, that is when you're learning the truths that are the same yesterday, today and forever, that are breathed life into by the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. These are the truths that you don't just get from a preacher on a Sunday or from a devotion from somebody in another country who's written it for you. This, the life-giving word comes from your Bible. And so let me encourage you that you have to know the truths about yourself about the world, about our disposition. Our salvation in Christ is not only to get us saved, but it is to shape our whole worldview. It changes um, those little lies that sound like they might be from God, and it redirects it with the same, the word that is good and faithful and um, ever present in our life. And so let me encourage with you, don't settle for what our friends Louis and Gail called a half-chewed version of God's word. Settle for the only thing that will bring um, life-giving words to you, and that is the Bible. So you need to know what the good stuff actually is. And this reminds me of a little thing I remember like back when I was at school, um, the firewall kind of things to block out bad websites. I remember thinking like, why are some good websites actually blocked out? And our teacher said, it's actually a way easier job to only allow certain good websites instead of trying to disallow all of the bad ones because they're constantly changing and constantly evolving and new bad content is constantly um, coming up. And I feel like that's the same for our thought life, you know, like it's way easier to just know the good stuff and exclude everything else instead of trying to pick through all of the bad stuff and be like, I won't think that anymore because the enemy that wants to sit at our table is dynamic and cunning and moving and persistent in getting um, in getting that presence in our mind and that seat at our table. And so we have to know what the good stuff actually is that will bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the third one is... Um, something that maybe I was always surprised to know, both as a new gardener and also as a Christian, is that you need to be pulling the bad stuff out constantly. This is um, not just a matter of pulling the weeds out once and they never grow again. And I know that to people who are like avid gardeners would be like, obviously. But to me, I was like shocked at how resilient the weeds were that were just like wrapping around my new beloved coriander bush. And the same is for our thought life. You might think that you've dealt with something and you've declared Jesus' name over it just to find out that a few weeks later, that same temptation is coming in, maybe in a different form or maybe in the same form. But that is what this um, the scripture of taking every thought captive means. It doesn't mean you do it once and you're saved or well, you know, you're saved from that thought. It doesn't mean that you do it once and you never have to deal with that temptation or that sin or that exposure of your humanity again. But it means that you need to be constantly partnering with Christ, 
to take every thought, hold it against his word and make it obedient to him so that it would, whether it would line up with his word or not, and you would just be able to chuck it onto the other side of the fence. Oswald Chambers actually has this great um, quote in one of his devotions that reads, deliverance from sin is not deliverance from our human nature. And I think that's always really freeing to know is that just because you are constantly tempted by the same sin, it doesn't mean that you're not saved by grace. It doesn't mean that you are an unfaithful steward. It means that you are human. And the more human, the more of our humanity we're aware of, the more dependent on God we need to be. And so... I think that once we learn to do that, once we learn that thoughts are able to be taken captive, that we are able to throw them out, we're able to take strongholds and discard them because the power that we have does not come from our own flesh but from God's. Once we learn to do that, um, the table that God's prepared for us is one of peace and clarity and abundance and it doesn't feel so much like a messy overgrown scary place to even go in and delve but our mind is at peace our spirit is full of peace we can notice the abundance that God has given us without being weighed down by things that are that are threatening to um, strangle the fruit that God has promised us and so I feel like if you're suddenly thinking about your mind and just being like I would not even know where to start with that. Think about it as a garden bed and a one that is full of weeds. You just need to start with one. You start with one and then you can identify it. If it's got little pointy leaves or if it's a voice constantly telling you that you're not good enough, you can know that that is not from God. You can start taking it out over and over and over again. And the more you do it, the more confident you get to extract it from your mind. And if I can encourage you, If you're looking for a specific thing to start with, let me encourage you to start with this one. I can't read the Bible. I don't have time to read. I don't have interest in reading. I'm not a reader. Every time I read it, I get bored. I don't have the time to sit down and meditate on scriptures. They, my friends, are the perfect example of lies that threaten to uh, entrap your mind and shape your identity and um, hold back the fruit that God promises to um grow in your life when you are planted into his Holy Spirit. And um, the way that you should practice doing this is, um, firstly, the best tool in order to just recreate that against every other lie, whether that is, I'm a terrible parent, I'm never going to get a job, this is going nowhere, I'm so stupid, I'm so ugly, I can't do this. All of those kinds of things is just that same practice repeated over and over and over again. And so if you're someone sitting there who maybe once had a great Bible reading habit or maybe never have because you've always discounted yourself from it, I'm going to read you three scriptures and would I and I would encourage you to find your own scriptures or write these ones down and declare them over the life over the lies that are in your mind and existing in your garden bed. And these are the easiest way to dispel the enemy from your table. And so Proverbs 4:2 says, "I will give you sound learning, so don't forsake my teaching." This is not written to a certain somebody or this is not reading really, written to somebody who has a certain education. This is a personal letter to you from our God. Proverbs 2 verse 6 to 8 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright, and he is a shield to those who walk, who walk, whose walk is blameless. 
for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Nothing in that scripture says anything about how good you need to be, but it's all about how good God is. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given truth. Because like I said before, church, we don't need a group of Christians who just settle for knowing about God. We need Christians who can take lies brought up against them or who take the um, culture and don't conform to it because we know what the truth is over our own life. And that is the way that we can serve our community the best. We can be the best light bearers of Christ. We can be our world changers and we can be bringing constant glory to our God in Jesus name. And so church, would you be blessed this week? Would you be changed, transformed and renewed as you examine your own thought life, as you partner with Christ and you commit to taking every thought captive and throwing out the stuff that doesn't align with God's word in Jesus name.